Happy New Year, everyone, and thanks for tuning in or continuing to tune in to The Expats. This podcast has seen steady growth in listeners, and I'm always so excited to see the number of downloads increase month over month. But there's still a lot of people who don't know about the show, and that's where I need your help. If you haven't already, please give The Expats a rating and a review on both the iTunes Store and Stitcher Radio. Those ratings and reviews help the show move up the charts. They make the expats more discoverable, more visible, and ultimately will help make the show more successful. And it's not like I won't give you something in return for your efforts. If you drop me an email at info at expatspodcast.ca and let me know you've submitted your review and you hook me up with your mailing address, I'll send you a limited edition expats postcard with a special message signed by yours truly. It's my way of saying thanks for listening. So thanks for listening. And now... On with the show. Milan. It's the global capital of fashion and design. It's also one of the biggest cities in Italy, second only to Rome. About 1.3 million people call Milan home. But if you're looking at the entire metropolitan area of Milan, that number goes up to between 7 and 10 million. Originally founded by the Celts and then conquered by the Romans, Milan was once the capital of the Western Roman Empire. Fast forward about 1600 years, and now Milan is the capital of world fashion. The biggest fashion companies like Gucci, Versace, Prada, and Armani are all headquartered in Milan. The city plays host to two of the biggest fashion weeks in the world every year. But this story isn't about fashion. This story is about finding your way in what most people would think is a very familiar culture with very unfamiliar social mores. Join me as we chat with a Canadian who's had two years to digest her Italian experience on the expats. Welcome to The Expats. I'm your host, Adam Rosenhart, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Marissa Jansen fell in love with Italy when she visited there for a wedding, so she decided to give up teaching in Canada to pursue her crush. I had a permanent contract as a teacher with Edmonton Public, and I happened to go to my friend's wedding uh, in Tuscany, and I I kind of just took a week off work, flew out to her wedding, and I was like, this place is amazing. <laughs> and just really fell in love with Tuscany, specifically. And when I came home, I kind of just had a, like a travel bug. Like I was like, I want to live somewhere else. You know, I had a, I had a great job at a wonderful school in Edmonton. And, but it was kind of like the same neighborhood I'd grown up in, um, I was teaching in, and I could stay there really for the rest of my life. I was picturing that, right? So yeah. I wanted to just shake it up a bit. So, so I went to an a teacher recruitment fair in uh, Kingston, Ontario. Okay. The following year, and uh, they kind of do this like forty eight hour blitz where they they have hundreds of overseas schools there, and they interview Canadian teachers over two days. And then you get a contract offer and you have to accept within like 
three hours, I think. What? Or, or turn it down. Yeah, you have like three hours to think about it. That's crazy. I know. And then it's really exciting though. So I got like, I think I got eight job offers. Wow. But my goal was to go to Europe because I just was like, that would be a great place to live for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, the school in Milan offered me the job. So what were the, uh, what were the other eight offers that you didn't take? Do you remember? Yeah, there was one in Colombia. There was one, there's a couple in different schools in Mexico. Yeah. There was one in Japan, Korea, China, but Turkey. You, but you knew that Italy was where you, you wanted to be. Yeah, that was the place I really wanted to go. So. Now, I mean, let's let's go back for a bit uh, and describe what it was about your experience in Tuscany that made you think, I'm going to leave everything behind and go live there for a little while. That's a really good question. Honestly, it was the light. There was something different about the light there. Really? It's hard to explain. Like, I could see why the Renaissance happened in Italy. There's something really different about how the sun shines there. Have you been out there? No. I. You know, as I mentioned before, I'm very badly uh, traveled. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I've not been in very many places. Yeah. I don't know. There's just something different about the light and the way people live, you know? They're all about the lifestyle. You know, they take eight hours to eat a meal. <laughs> Yeah, you know, they're really they're just really like it's all about how how are we wanting to live our life and not like getting ahead or yeah, so I just I fell in love with that sort of vibe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So you were there for a week uh for your friend's wedding. Did you get mm -hmm. it get an opportunity while you were there to get to know some of the locals and understand from their perspective what this lifestyle living was all about? No, I did not. And on <laughs> retrospect, <laughs> you know, it would have been probably useful to check that out. But I had a dream of Italy. Yeah. And like most dreams, you know, they're not always how you plan or how you picture them. But that's just the reality of life, I think. And especially life when you when you go and live in another country for a while. I imagine so. Yeah. 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 So you you win this contract in Milan. And what happens next? Like, what's the process of getting ready to go there? So it was January when I accepted, and I had to be there in August. So I had a few months to sort of put everything in order. I had to pack up my stuff, and I had a boyfriend at the time. <laughs> that So that was like, I was like, look, I'm doing this Italy thing. Are you coming or not, you know? Yeah. And so he said, yeah, I'm in. And then we decided... Like in between January and August, we decided we would get married in Italy while we were there. Okay. Because we thought, well, why don't we go there? And why don't we get married while we're there? I don't know. It just seemed like an exciting thing to do because actually, because the girl whose wedding I went to, she said, why don't you guys get married where I got married at the villa? So we decided to do that. So he was going to come with me. And so that we had to organize that too. Like, um, international schools don't look fondly on what they call trailing spouses. Really? No, like they don't like the idea of you bringing along a partner who is not a teacher. Their dream hire is a two-teacher couple. And, and what's the reasoning behind that? Because that seems kind of weird to me. Because they don't want somebody who's going to just show up in the country and doesn't, you know, it's kind of like a drain on the very low teaching salary. They give you, right? Like, so 
this person just comes to this country with no no hope of working, right? Like, you, it's really hard to get a work visa in most countries. So, yeah. so they don't want to deal with that. But luckily, my husband now, my boyfriend, is financially independent. So the school was fine with that. But. Uh, okay. So, yeah. yeah, you were speaking in, in past tense because, of course, it occurred in the past. I wasn't sure if you guys actually stayed together. So the, did the plan, you executed the plan as you described it. You, the plan occurred. Yes. yes, yeah. What was it like adjusting to, uh, you know, life in this new country, a job where you're, you know, you, that you're sort of familiar with because you were a teacher before and hauling around the trailing spouse? The trailing spouse. Actually, the trailing spouse did really well. You know, he, he, he went out there and went to art school. Oh, wow. And, and went to Italian school. And then now he took all his skills that he learned there. And like now he's becoming a really successful artist here in Victoria. But that was that was really cool. So he stayed really busy. He got really involved in, in the Italian culture doing that. Um, it was a bit more difficult for me. It was very challenging at my school to adjust to the... Okay, basically, like culture shock. Yeah. You know? You're... The, as much as I wanted to think, like, well, it's it's a sort of a Western like culture, right? It's still very different. The thing about Italian culture is they have all these rules and like social rules that you you should follow, but no one really tells you what they are. Can You're you just sort of expected to know what they are, and if you don't do them, you get shamed. Really? Yeah, like people shame you publicly. Can you can you give me an example of one of these unwritten rules? Yeah. Um, so they have lots of rules around food. Sure. So, you know, you're not supposed to be drinking milk after 11 a.m. <laughs> really? No, like it's... So if you go into a bar, a cafe there, they call it a bar, and you order a cappuccino, mm-hmm. and it, let's say you go in, your, it's like 1 o'clock, 1 p.m., even 5 p.m., they will like laugh at you. They'll be... Oh, tourista, tourista. You know, they they don't have much respect for the sort of Canadian or American culture. They think it's it's ridiculous that you don't know this rule that you shouldn't be eating, drinking milk at a certain time. Um, They're strange about health stuff too. So, you know, you can't can't eat something really cold and then do something hot because you could die. What? So, like, you can't eat ice cream or gelato and then have a hot shower because then you might die. That's, but, like, that's absurd. (laughs) (laughs) It's just these things. Like, you don't, so you don't know these rules. You get to know them as you go along and you find out, like, they're really weird about feet. Okay. So, I made the mistake of putting my feet, you know, I'm in a movie. I put my feet up on the seat in front of me, sort Mm -hmm. of, like, just resting them there. And the seat was beside this Italian guy. And he turned around and just yelled at me in Italian. I had no idea why. I was like, my feet aren't on your seat. <laughs> but then as the year went by, I realized, oh, they have this thing about feet. Like, they think feet are disgusting. You're kidding. Yeah, like, they think they're so disgusting. You have to have them, like, covered up. And the bottom of your feet can't be in contact with anything else. So. You're kidding. That's That's unbelievable. Yeah, so just these different things, so... And, and like these persist throughout the country or is this, you know, in, in smaller cities and, and rural areas? This was in Milan. <laughs> so it's a big city. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I know in Tuscany, they also, there's different ones in different places, but the feet one was one that stayed around, I think. But 
but for me, like, I didn't really get, like, I was working in almost a lot, like, a big English environment, you know? Every day I was immersed in teaching English. Yeah, so, yeah. And my husband, he was out there. He was, like, in the Italian culture. So he would come back and he'd tell me things. Like, did you know this? Did you know that you're not supposed to do this? Or did you know you're not supposed to say this? Or did you know that this is how you should be interacting? And that, so that's how I would learn things, but... I just don't understand, like how how anyone has a chance of of navigating through an environment where there are those kinds of social uh, things that you have to pay attention to. Well, it's a very like outsiders are not welcome. Mm-hmm. That that's how Italian culture is set up. It's who it's your family, la familia, la familia, right? And and so if you're if you're if you have your family around you, you feel okay because you're protected, you're safe. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if that's why the social structure became that way because it it's like, well, if you don't know the rules, then you're an outsider. But who knows after thousands of years? So, I mean, you're you're in Milan with your your now husband and uh, outsiders are I don't want to say shunned, but they're not enthusiastically welcomed. No, they are not. <laughs> um, what was the rest of the expat community like? Were there lots of other Canadians or Americans there or uh, I mean... Yeah, tell yeah, me a little like, bit about that. It was a, it's a newish culture in Milan because not many, like it's not the most beautiful city, Milan. So if you were an expat, you'd be going to Rome, you'd be going to Florence, you wouldn't really be going to Milan. So mm-hmm. there, it was sort of like a new expat community going on there. Okay. So that was exciting. There was quite a few people from like Canada, the United States, the UK, Australia, um, and just a really great vibe because like I said like people in Milan were not they were not that welcoming so it would be so great when you'd be around some people that were welcoming do you know what I mean <laughs> yeah no kidding so so other expats uh hadn't taken on the sort of the Italian attitude of of outsiders no no they were actually more than welcoming I think maybe just to balance that out so that really worked nicely in, yeah. the, in the context of being feeling like a part of something, and they had little expat clubs. I'm sure they have those all over the wo- all, all over the world, but they had expat nights. And although sometimes those the expat nights would turn into like just a bunch of Italian dudes showing up, <laughs> and English speaking girls would show up, and then the Italian dudes would show up because they think that they could sleep with the. North American women because they're considered easy in Italian culture. So. You're kidding. No, so they would show up and be like, I'm going to score one of these North American women. <laughs> <laughs> so after a while, you figure that out. You're like, oh, why are all the Italian guys at the expat night? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about the, the food in Milan. I mean, everyone, the thing you always hear about sort of you know, whether it's Italy or France, that the food is, is unbelievable. Like, did you guys, did you guys gorge yourselves or, or were you, were you responsible eaters while you were there? <laughs> we were not responsible eaters. No, you, I mean, we, we tried everything. It was, the food was very exciting. I mean, like I said, you get invited to a meal out. Let's say somebody invited you once in a while, you get invited out to a lunch. Lunch would start at 12 o'clock. It would go till three or four, and there'd be seven or eight courses. And just the way they eat is so interesting. They don't mix foods together. Like, they won't eat the pasta with the meat. Really? Yeah, like, they eat the pasta first. Okay. 
and then they eat the meat and then they eat salad at the end. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like that's one of their health beliefs as well. It's like you have to eat the food in a certain order for for digestive purposes. <laughs> and they'll never serve like coffee with dessert because for that reason of like in case you have ice cream, you can't have hot coffee with it. <laughs> so you have to have your coffee like after dessert, but lots of times the coffee's by the time you finish eating, it's like midnight. And you don't want a coffee, right? So, but they start eating dinner at around around nine p.m. I'd say. Yeah. So, it's very engineered around food. Is it really? Yeah. So everything's around food. Like when I would talk to a parent about their kid, it would always be, "Well, what did he eat today?" Or "Did you? He wasn't feeling well this morning. Did make you know make sure he's eating this." So it's a there is a different food, an idea of food here. It's like. You don't really pay attention to what your students eat as a teacher. Like that's not really your job. But there, that became also part of my job was making like checking in on what a student <laughs> was eating. You know, so because the mom asked me. And so that, was it just because they wanted to ensure that their kids were eating, weren't weren't mixing their food together? Like, what was the reasoning? I don't know. The Italian mama is hard to to explain, but <laughs> they're very powerful presence. They run Italy. Yeah. Yeah, the mamas they run Italy. They're just behind the scenes running everything. So, like food was one thing, but then also making sure like the kid was had their hat on or their scarf on, right? So, <laughs> yeah, I was like, "What are you talking about? I come from like minus twenty five weather." Yeah, he's fine. It's it's interesting how it's sort of like this, uh, almost like this doting mother thing that you're describing. It's it's it just seems so old school, you know. It is old school. This is the original old school. And they call the the men there called mamanis. They're mama's boys. Really? And most of like the new era of Italy right now, they're just like the feminism era is just hitting it. Mm-hmm. So women are deciding more and more not to get married. Really? Yeah. So they're getting dogs instead. <laughs> and the boys, actually the men, I feel bad for them because they're, they're just living with their mother, right? Because they don't, if they don't get married, they don't leave the home. So you see that more and more as the, the man, the 40 something year old man living with his mom still, right? So this is sort of a new era of independence for, uh, for women in Italy. Yeah, it's very interesting. And I heard from some women there, like, it's hard to find a good man because of the mom thing, you know? And then what they'll do is like, the gift a wed- the wedding gift you get if you get married in Italy and you're Italian, you get a house. But there's a caveat to the house is it's next door to the mom. Ooh, that sounds like a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> Doesn't it sound like a nightmare? <laughs> so I, I know I have a couple friends in Italy who married Italian men and that, in fact, they are living next door to the parents, right? So is the belief there, is it that, um, you know, there's this intergenerational family thing that happens when, when the kids get married, they're right next to mom and dad, so yeah. that eventually they can look after them? Is that the idea? Maybe. And, you know, that's kind of nice. Like, I think we've really gone away from that idea. Mm-hmm. Is that family really takes care of each other there. So for coming from where I'm coming from, like, it seemed strange. But, you know, you know when you mentioned, like, you're an, a recovering expat? Yeah. I found that term really interesting. I actually thought about it for a while after you wrote that. I thought this is an interesting way to put it because 
I, it has taken me, this is why I've con- I contacted you. It's taken me two years to really digest my experience, right? Like, really? Yeah, like it really, it changes you. Like going and living in another culture changes you. Sure. And, you know, a lot of the things I experienced in Italy were very difficult to live in. But at the same time, like they really changed my outlook and my way of looking at life. And whereas maybe I judged this idea of the, the Mamani or the mother's <laughs> the mother's there like since I've been back I've been thinking you know it's kind of a beautiful thing like they have this real idea of family so I don't know it's like just different ways of looking at things and, and it's hard to judge to judge what's right or wrong or well I'm, I'm curious to hear more about unpacking your experiences there but I do have to ask while you were away what were some of the things that you you and your husband were really missing about home uh no pollution. You mean um, really like Milan was polluted? Very polluted. It's the most polluted city in Europe, actually. Wow. Mm-hmm. So we missed nature. We missed like just less people. There was never a sense of having space there. It was very um, busy. Yeah. So anywhere you go, there'd be tons of other people around. And being Canadian, you get used to your space, so the sense of space that you have and so we missed that, and yeah, we just missed the freedoms that we experience in Canada. Yeah, where, give me an example of that, because I would assume that the freedoms that Italians experience are very similar to ours. No, I mean, like I said, they're very socially aware there, so um, they keep each other in line kind of thing by having strict rules around, like, if you go to the grocery store, let's say, you can't. You have to be dressed really well. Like you could never just go in like a pair of sweatpants. Really? Or, no. So, you have to be looking good wherever you go because that's it's important to look good. So present yourself well. You were never out wearing Lululemons. No, 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 no. <laughs> you like you would get so stared at, and you would stand out so much that you just don't want to do that, right? So, Interesting. You wear your Lulus at the gym. Of course, yeah. But, um, yeah, no, just things like having the freedom to do things like that and not feel judged and not feel like somebody's judging you. We really miss that, you know? I'm sure. Yeah. And then just missing the context of, like, uh, you know, you miss that people would understand what you're trying to say in a certain context and people don't get you because they don't have that context, the cultural context. Yeah, right? yeah, for sure. What was it ultimately that, that brought you guys back to Canada? You didn't want to keep traveling? We did want to keep traveling, but I don't know. You do two years in another country, and then you see teachers doing the circuit, like, okay, I'm going to now do another two years in this country, in this country, in this country. But the reality of it is when you get back to Canada, you're kind of at square one again. Like, you're not really hireable. Because you've had overseas experience. You haven't been in the system, right? So so it's actually kind of a knock against you in a way? Kind of is, yeah. How much of a challenge has it been then getting reestablished in Victoria? Well, like, it's expensive to live overseas. That's one thing you don't take (laughs) into consideration either. You think, you know, they're paying for my flight. They're paying for for me to relocate. But... Really, it's expensive to like move around, um, get a new place, right? The moving costs, the moving fees, 
getting reestablished, paying like you're in a brand new city, so you need to make deposits on on your new utilities, you know, just all those costs that yeah. come into play. Maybe you need now to buy a brand new car because you've been away. So, yeah, I mean, it took us a while. It's the, the job market isn't very good here in Victoria for teachers. So oh, that's too bad. But I luckily found a job right away. Oh, good. Yeah. But in terms of like any mobility, it's, it's different, right? People stay at their job for a really long time because there's so few jobs here. It's oversaturated. So, but we, we got established for it. It's two years now. And we feel like we're just getting established here now. That So I assume that means you're not really talking about where to go next. Well, this is the problem. Once you've been living overseas, <laughs> you want to do it again. Like, it's just not, I don't know. It's something that's in you now. So now we're thinking about how could we do both? How could we like live in Canada and also somehow live overseas? Right. Hmm. So we're thinking about how to go about doing that. Gosh, well, when you guys arrive at a conclusion, <laughs> you're going to have to let me know. I've got an audience of listeners. <laughs> They're trying to figure out the same question. I know. Like we were thinking, get get some sort of cheap place in a, you know, like the south of France has relatively cheap property you can buy on a handshake, you know, and, you know, living there part time and living here and renting one place out when we're not in that one, like that could work. But we're actually going to go out there in, in March mm -hmm. and see if we can find anything. But well, well, good luck with that. That'll be I amazing. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, one last question before we end, because you said that it's taken you two years to sort of unpack what happened, your, your experience in Milan. What are, like, ultimately, was it a, was it a positive experience and... Is Italy now a place that you really love, in spite of some of the quirky things you told us? Italy is in my in my soul now. It's it's the kind of a place that just grows on you. So um, I would never regret my experience. Somebody told me the other day that there's two types of fun. There's the type of fun that's so fun right in the moment. You're really experiencing it, and it's so enjoyable in that moment. And then there's a type of fun that you look back on it later and you think that was an amazing experience. And I definitely had a bit of both while I was away, but I would say overall that feeling of just having really been changed by my experience, like having a different perspective on life has been the best part of living in Milan. And we have friends there now, so we, we would love to go back when we can, but you know, it's not cheap to fly overseas. So. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And you've got a house to buy in the south of France. That's right. We got to do that first. <laughs> I'm in talks with Marissa about making her eventual home in the south of France, the official headquarters of the expats in Europe. I'll let you know how that goes. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Expats. If there are any expats you think I should be speaking with, have them email me at info at expatspodcast.ca or send me an email yourself, and let's keep building this global network of Canadians living abroad. I've been your host, Adam Rosenhart. If you like this episode, do us a big favor and leave us a review on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch up again in a couple of weeks. Music